everyone know that? Well, it's because this system is controlled by what I call repeaters. They're people in the situations of power and influence who just repeat what someone else tells them. A doctor is repeating what they were told at medical school and what the drug companies tell them. Uh, you've got teachers who repeat what they learned in their exams or what they learned at teacher training college and they repeat that to the next generation. And the great repeaters are what pass for journalists. This is that area outside uh, Parliament where they stand there doing their pieces to camera telling people what's going on. Here we have the uh, crews waiting for the journalists to come across from Westminster and stand there and tell them what's happening in the world. The fact is, they don't know what's happening. They know nothing. So, this is what they should be saying if they were telling the truth. Now over to Westminster for the latest news from David Ike. Thank you, you. Well, I haven't got a clue what's going on. i tell you what my job is, right? I, I wear a dark suit, not normally, but, you know, I'm playing here. And I come over from there, and I tell you what they told me is going on. And I deliver it as if I know what's going on, and it's really true. I've got a clue if it's true. But they tell me, and they wouldn't lie, would they? Would Tony Blair lie about what's really happening? Would George Bush, please? I'm a journalist, trust me. And so, what we call news you, what you get paid a lot of money for reading autocue about, is merely propaganda that they have told me and I tell you. David Icke, BBC, ITN, CNN, CBS, Sky News, Westminster. I was out one morning taking a walk, playing Angry Birds on my iPhone. I suddenly heard an airplane pass over my head. This caused me to look up. I then saw something that was a part of the sky, but then quickly as it arrived, it disappeared. I then began to freak out and ask my neighbors if they knew anything about this. But they dismissed me as a tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy theorist who believed 9-11 was an inside job. Do you understand what's happening here? What's through all these chemtrails? To find people at RazRadioLive.com, encourage you to go to T. T-E-E-Spring.com forward slash Raz hyphen what's hyphen with hyphen all hyphen these hyphen C-H-E-M. Pick a fucking name, would you please? This t-shirt is only available for $20 and is only available until May 10th. So take advantage of this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity now. Now. What's through all these chemtrails? RazRadioLive.com. The simple power of truth. Passing through our neighborhoods 
violent night. Some consider it harassment and denying our rights. You had to have a good reason for attempting to hurt us. Cause I know that y'all would never ever do it on purpose. Dear Mr. Policeman, why is everybody tripping? I just don't understand. I know you out here in the streets doing the best that you can. If I could meet you face to face, I would shake your hand. Mr. Policeman, why is everybody tripping? I just don't understand. I know you out here in the streets doing the best that you can. If I could meet you face to face, I would shake your hand. Dear Mr. Policeman, them tickets you wrote for me costed over a grand. Didn't think that I was speeding, but you got me because. And since I know you wouldn't tell a lie, I guess that I was. Kind of struggling, so to not pay them is threatening my freedom. Thanks for showing up to court to make sure I didn't beat them. And we don't make it easy when we see y'all coming. Instead of just letting you beat us, we be struggling and running. I know you hate it when we make you have to use that stick. Sorry. And by the way, the taser and that pepper spray did the trick. I'm still walking funny. Hope my vision kicks back in I know that I was wrong, sir I'll never jaywalk again Somebody told me you was jealous Cause their car was brand new I said the police jealous? That can never be true Maybe one day I can be as clever as you You care about us So you monitor whatever we do Dear Mr. Policeman Why is everybody tripping? I just don't understand I know you out here in the streets Doing the best that you can If I could meet you face to face I would shake your hand Mr. Policeman, why is everybody tripping? I just don't understand. I know you out here in the streets doing the best that you can. If I could meet you face to face, I would shake your hand. Pardon me, Mr. Policeman. These cuffs are cutting off the blood flow to my hands. It's amazing how you kicked that dude all in his face and beat the case even though they had it all on tape. I know you love the people in the hood. How could you fake it? And that missing drug money, I know you didn't take it. I don't understand why people accuse you of hate. I know you only follow us to make sure that we safe. I saw nine of y'all against one, beating the brainless. That 65-year-old woman must have really been dangerous. Cleaning up the streets is your top priority. You qualify for this. Why would we question your authority? You only working hard following training. Why the hell are the Mexicans and blacks complaining? You gotta be the closest thing I've seen to perfect. And everybody that you locked up, they had to deserve it. Yeah. Dear Mr. Policeman, why is everybody tripping? I just don't understand. I know you out here in the streets doing the best that you can. If I could meet you face to face, I would shake your hand. Dear Mr. Policeman, why is everybody tripping? I just don't understand. I know you out here in the streets doing the best that you can. If I could meet you face to face, I would shake your hand. April 19, 1995, a decorated Gulf War combat vet blew up the federal building in Oklahoma City using a truck bomb that he didn't build and a rider truck that he didn't rent with the help of a passenger who didn't exist. Having just gotten away with the largest act of terrorism on U.S. soil to date, the Fort Bragg-trained Special Forces sheep-drip dropout blended in with the crowd by making his getaway in a car without a license plate and was immediately pulled over. 
The ATF was the supposed target of the attack, but luckily all of their agents were out of the office that morning. Later that day, the president boldly declared, We will find the people who did this. And, When we do, justice will be swift, certain, and severe. Except for, John Doe number two. John Doe number two. John Doe number two. Who, according to the FBI, never existed. In McVeigh's unprecedented three-and-a-half-week trial, the prosecution didn't show the CCTV footage of him and John Doe number two parking the rider truck. Didn't explain why 24 separate witnesses mass-hallucinated the existence of John Doe number two. Didn't explain why the government was testing truck bombs and the army was storing rider trucks at Camp Gruber right before the bombing. And didn't talk to the FBI informants who blew the whistle on the plot. But they did collaborate with the CIA, and they did convict McVeigh as the lone wolf bomber and Terry Nichols as his bomb-constructing accomplice. Still, a bunch of crazy conspiracy theorists, including 300 bombing victims, insist on talking about facts and evidence and refuse to simply believe what they've been told a million times by people in tailored suits with well-coiffed hair. They quote the U.S. Army Brigadier General and the FBI Crime Lab whistleblower and the inventor of the neutron bomb who point out the physical impossibility that the Ryder truck bomb did the damage to the building, but that doesn't matter because if there were other bombs in the building that day, we would have heard about them. The second explosive was found and diffused. I think he said another bomb. The Justice Department is reporting that a second explosive device has been found. They then found a third device, which was also larger than the first. And I see another bomb truck going, so apparently they're going to try to get out that third bomb. The FBI claims to have lost the footage showing McVeigh and John Doe number 2 parking the truck in front of the Murrah building that morning, but that's understandable because the Bureau has a lot of important evidence to store. Terry Nichols insists the FBI was involved in the plot, but thankfully a judge has saved us the trouble of listening to him by preventing lawyers from deposing him. There was a bomb squad truck parked across the street two hours before the blast, but that just shows the authorities were prepared for anything. And... Other documents obtained by 2020 show that someone called the executive secretariat's office at the Justice Department in Washington and said the Morrow building had been bombed. But this was 24 minutes before the blast. But that just shows the public was unusually vigilant that morning. Also, apparently, before the bombing, Governor Frank Keating's brother, Mark, had been working on a novel about a terrorist bombing in Oklahoma City. Stranger still, one of the characters in the novel was named Thomas McVeigh. But that's probably just a coincidence. McVeigh wrote a letter to his sister where he admitted to being a secret Special Forces operative and he complained to friends of the pain in his ass from an army-implanted microchip, but that's crazy because if he didn't actually leave the army in 1991, there would be proof of that. This man never existed, and if you say otherwise, you're a crazy government-hating nutjob who deserves to be locked in a cage for the rest of your life. Likewise, him, her, them, her, and him and him and him. McVeigh was not executed on May 16th, 2001 as scheduled because the FBI had failed to turn over thousands of pages of evidence to McVeigh's defense attorneys. But the execution went ahead on June 11th. In a highly unusual and secret agreement, no autopsy was performed. One witness said he was still breathing, and the prison officials admitted his hearse was a decoy. Then the case was officially closed. This is the story of OKC as told to you by the same truth-tellers behind Perhaps a profoundly lonely man who craved attention but found consolation in doing good. And When the helicopter we were traveling in was forced down after being hit by an RPG. And We're, we're with the rebels. And he said, oh, you're with the rebels? And they started beating him. Oh, you're with the rebels? Don't you support Bashar? And if you question any part of this story, you are a paranoid wingnut birther truther tenther prepper conspiracy loon who should feel guilty for having been born. If you love baseball, fluffy kittens, hot dogs, Barbie, Star Wars, and freedom, you will never, ever bring up any of these points ever again. Ever.
This message has been brought to you by the friends of the FBI, ATF, DOJ, CIA, SPLC, MSM, and the U.S. Army. And remember, ignorance is strength. Ah, such strength it gives you. Yes, it does. Guys, welcome to the First 52 on RazRadioLive.com and RadioFreeBlood.com. This is your host, Sean Raz. It is, what is today? Today's Tuesday, February 21st, the day after 420. I hope you enjoyed yourself yesterday, because, you know, you got to participate on 420, don't you? It's It's just a lot of fun. Right? I don't know. I was out yesterday, so I didn't get to participate. Anyway, we have a busy show for you today. I'm looking forward to speaking for the first time to uh, James Woods, James from the Internet. He's an activist from uh, from uh, New York, and uh, he'll be joining us to discuss some of the things he's been up to and, and what's going on up in his neck of the woods. Uh, a lot of stories I want to cover. Of course, obviously, I opened with uh, the Oklahoma City bombing because the anniversary was the other day. It was on Sunday. Uh, I spent some time today with my friend uh, Scott Ledger on his show, and we talked about Oklahoma City. This is one of those, one of those conspiracy theories that are out there that, uh, you know, <laughs> maybe we have a lot more questions that need to be answered from that day. You know, like, uh, why did someone say they saw them putting, uh, gray butter throughout the parking lot? Or why was there a, a bomb unit truck parked across the street prior to the explosion. Why did the ATF get told not to come to work that morning, except for their civilian employees, of course? There's so many questions to ask about that. Uh, you know, 1995, we're at the 20-year 20, 20 anniversary. Do you believe that? 20 years. Makes me feel old, i got to say. It really, really does. You know, I, I graduated high school the year before that. So to think that 20 years have gone by, and we still don't have all the questions answered. We still don't know why a cop was found that committed suicide, uh, who happened to say he had all kinds of documents relating to Oklahoma City. Too many questions asked, too many questions not answered. That's what we get with all of these things we look at. So I suggest everybody goes out, find a noble lie, research what's going on, what really happened on Oklahoma City. I know Jack is, is well informed on that. Uh, you know, there's just, there's so many little directions that we can shoot out from. You know, we're, we're, what was Clinton's involvement? You know, what was, why do we, why are we told a fertilizer bomb could do something that is not feasibly possible for it to do? I mean, we're talking about an air blast bomb. Air blast is not going to destroy concrete. It's not going to destroy rebarb. It's not going to take down the front of a building in the fashion that we saw. But then again, we see things happen all the time that shouldn't be able to happen that way. But they do. Why do they happen that way? <laughs> if I knew the answer to that, I'd probably be a really, really, really rich man. But I don't know the answer. Something that's been going on a lot, something we're seeing a lot of, and something that's caught me a bunch of times, and, and uh, John, John Riley, you forgot to remind me, my friend, but I remembered. Don't be fooled. A guide to fake news websites. Well, what does that mean? What is fake news website? We've discussed discussed this on my show before. The National Review uh, is is one of them that that goes out there and writes false stories. My belief to these stories and to the the, the formation of these sites, I'm, I'm sure it's some do it just to you know, be funny, to be asses, uh, to to just they want to be different, they want to get attention, they want to make a little money off their craziness. That's cool. I can understand that. But they all have disclaimers. A lot of these, not all these sites have disclaimers. So I, I implore you guys, I tweeted it out at Sean Raz. Um, 
the article is titled, Don't Be Fooled, A Guide to Fake News Websites. And again, I've been, I've been caught by these. I, I didn't realize how many there were. There's a lot of fake news sites out there. So here's what we'll do. We'll read through the, the opening of this here. Satire is a venerable, what? Ven, venerable form of social commentary employing humor to ridicule human vices and follies. The internet is rifle with it, especially news satire or fake news, consisting of fictional character accounts of current events presented in mock journalistic style to lampoon politics, celebrities, and social mores. Satire is only effective if people recognize it is as such. However, therein lies a major pitfall of propaganda fake news on the Internet. Users tend to skim text instead of reading them, missing important clues and disclaimers. The mechanics of social sharing obscure their origin and aim of viral content, increasing the likelihood that fiction will be mistaken or misrepresented as fact. Herein you'll find a checklist of the most popular fake news sites on the web. I really implore you guys to go out and find this article. It's uh, about entertainment. Urbanlegends.about.com. Fake news. Find it. It's well worth reading. It's well worth making sure you understand where these fake sites are. Make sure you understand the, the, the titles of these fake sites. Again, I've been caught. You know, I work all day long. I, I constantly am scanning through Facebook and Twitter and checking, you know, alerts I get for news. So I try to stay up, but I'm doing a job every day. So sometimes I'll read an article or I'll skim through an article just like they said. And it, it's like, wow, I got to share this. I got to make sure this gets out. And I don't always have the time to read them fully before I can share them. Sometimes I share stuff just so I can refer back to my Facebook or Twitter to investigate further. So, you know, just because I share something doesn't necessarily mean that I believe what it's saying. A lot of times I'll share something in order to go back and investigate further as to what the issue is, why that site is there. Is is that story accurate? So don't, you know, I, I, I don't like to get caught in things like that, but it happens. I'm going to read a couple of these websites out there that that again i really think that some of them are out there on purpose to get people investigating what's going on to get their them thrown off the track to make them look stupid to make them look uneducated uh one of them the boza borowitz report you know it's it's humor call the cops Call the Cops bills itself as America's 27th most trusted source for public safety news. Article satires law enforcement, firefighting, and emergency medical work. Stories posted here are not real, and you should not assume them to have any basis in any real facts. <laughs> That's on their website, which is a good one when they do that. So again, get out Empire News, the Daily Current. Uh, the, the, you'd be surprised how many are out there that do this. And again, it I think... A lot of it is based on making us look like a bunch of fools. I think they do it on purpose. I think some of them, not all. You know, there's a sports one, Empire Sports. I'm sure they're not trying to make uh, conspiracy guys look crazy. But know that there's fake news out there. A lot of people go, oh, yeah, but the websites you go to, the Free Thought Project, that's fake news. 
Well, no, that's actual real journalism going on there. And it bothers me when I hear people say that. Because nobody knows what real journalism is anymore. I'm not a journalist. Okay? I'm a radio show host. I share my, I share news that I read and my opinion on things. That's how it works. That's what I do. I don't, I shouldn't, I'm not held to integrity. I'm just reporting what I'm reading. That's how it, you know, that's what the deal is, my friends. That's how it goes down. So again, just make sure. Take the time. And I have to do this just as well. And fortunately, I've got some good people out there who listen to me and follow me on Twitter and Facebook and, and different sources who let me know when I've been, gra- been got, you know, and it's, uh, it's kind of, I don't know. It's embarrassing. You know, when you get caught sharing a story that really isn't true and you want to believe it, I, I think one of the biggest ones that got me, and maybe you guys will remember this, there was a story that uh, came out last year, and it was about a cop assaulting a pregnant woman and causing her to miscarriage. That's one of them right there. You know, that, that was one of them. So just keep your eyes open. I wanted to make sure I touched on that because, you know, all of us that I'm assuming the people listening to me right now really try to seek truth. They really try to bring the best information forward. And I'd like to believe that that's what I'm doing. So again, check it out, guys. Find it. Figure out what you can figure out from it. And, uh, you know, we'll move forward. And we'll remember that, you know, people make mistakes and don't hold everybody to this uh, mesmerizing level of, oh my gosh, you are the best. No, nobody's the best. We're all just doing the best that we can. Okay? Mysterious Walmart store closings due to labor activism. You know, I didn't cover this last week. I didn't really, I haven't talked about it much. And I want to give um, Salty Talk and Lori from Salty Talk some credit here. Because she nailed this last week. Wednesday, she said that she had heard rumors that this had to do with labor issues. Now, does a private business have the right to close stores if a union's coming in? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a free country, right? At least I thought it was. So they don't want a union. Well, okay, you know what? We won't have a store in that town then. Fine. We'll move somewhere else. Not like they're not making enough money anyway. So I really think that's what a lot of it is is around. Now, they're doing some some sketchy stuff by claiming that it's plumbing issues. But okay. Do I think there's uh, something with the Jade Helm with this? No, I don't. I, I know a lot of people have talked that. Uh, I really honestly believe this was all business. This was all just trying to save a couple of dollars. Now, will those centers be used if they're in the region that is going on? That's very feasibly possible. Business is going to go, oh, yeah, U.S. government, you want to use it? Sure, $10,000 a day you can use to space. Go ahead. That could very easily ha- easily happen. I'm not saying that it couldn't happen. But I don't think that's why they closed, is what I'm, I, I'm trying to express. There's a reason. There's your reason. It sounds that a lot of these Walmarts were, um, <laughs> were, uh, having issues with employees, wanting more money. According to the United Food and Commercial Workers International Union, the closure of five stores in a response, is a response to labor activism at a store in Los Angeles. The union has filed a claim with the National Labor Relations Board and wants the government to force the corporation to rehire employees laid off during the closing. Walmart has targeted this store because the associates 
have been among the most active associates around the country to improve around the country to improve working conditions. So again, if this is a labor dispute, here's where I stand on this, guys, on on the minimum wage, on right to work. You know, I live in Florida, so right to work state. This is also a state where you can be fired with no reason, and there's no backlash. Now, you'll still get your unemployment. All right, as far as minimum wage goes, I personally don't believe there should be a minimum wage. Okay, a business pays an employee. The business pays the employee the amount of money needed to produce the product or the result that the business wants. If they want to pay a cheap wage and you know rip people off and not pay them a living wage, well, guess what? That is on the business. And what's going to happen? You think those are, are going to be happy employees? Do you think those are employees that are going to... um you know, work hard to make things better for the company? Of course not. So the business will go down. It'll stink. There'll be nothing left of that business. A company that pays their employees 12, 13, 14 bucks an hour for a very mediocre job, they're going to get good performance, I'd like to believe. That, that's how it works, right? Is that not how it works? So I don't know. I, you know, that's one of those things where we've seen a bunch of theories come out on what's going on, and I just honestly believe it is what it is. And I don't think we should stress over it too much. You know, I live in Charlotte County, Florida here, and I talk all the time when we get into law enforcement discussions. I talk about how good the cops are around here. I've never seen major problems uh, in my little town here uh, from law enforcement. Well, first story I've seen roll across my desk from my town. Sex, drugs, and leaking crucial information. NBC2 is staying on top of a developing story out of Charlotte County. For the first time tonight, a deputy there is speaking out after a scathing internal affairs investigation got him fired. Investigators say Deputy First Class Elio Santana bought drugs and even traded them for sex. And the allegations stacked against him don't end there. NBC2's Chris Gilmore was in Charlotte County and spoke with Santana following the release of these disturbing details. Deputy First Class Elio Santana was employed here at the Charlotte County Sheriff's Office. And that's until a 23-page internal investigation was released outlining his crooked activity. He felt like he could do what he wanted to do. Bit him in the butt. And cost him his job. A report released by the Charlotte County Sheriff's Office Friday points out a long list of... God, you gotta love internets. The internets, they, they work so well. Sometimes they just want to reset in the middle of playing something. Isn't that lovely? How that works? Here, let's see if we can get back to where we were. Sex uh, Santana we was go. employed Sorry, here guys. at the Charlotte County Sheriff's Office. And that's until a 23-page internal investigation was released outlining his crooked activity. He felt like he could do what he wanted to do. Bit him in the butt and cost him his job. A report released by the Charlotte County Sheriff's Office Friday points out a long list of offenses connected to Deputy First Class Elio Santana. He's accused of outing informants and buying drugs for sex. You never expect something like this to happen, you know, from somebody who's supposed to be, you know, everybody looking up to the police. 
According to the detailed report, a lot of Santana's cocaine purchases occurred during the day while he was in uniform and driving a squad car. Informants told sheriff staff on several occasions they saw Santana meet with someone named Kello Bonholm to buy drugs. Bonholm was murdered last year in an alleged drug deal gone bad. His suspected killer, Dwayne Johnson, is currently awaiting trial. Our crew spoke with a friend of Johnson's about Santana. I felt like he could get away with it. Like every, every officer that's crooked, they think they can get away with it until they get caught. One person interviewed in the investigation says they witnessed Santana pay up to $200 for drugs. Another person believes he used those drugs in exchange for sex. I did have the chance to speak with Mr. Santana today, and during that phone conversation, he told me that the items listed in the 23-page report are nothing more than allegations. At this point, he's waiting to talk to his lawyer before he's willing to make a proper statement, but right now he told me that he is the furthest thing from a dirty or crooked deputy. Reporting in Charlotte County, Chris Gilmore, NBC2. So that's my little town. That's, it's amazing to hear that story. You know, Like I said, I, I always said my cops around here are pretty good. So I guess, I guess it goes to show that uh, you can have bad cops anywhere, right? I mean, they're they're all over the place. They'll uh, <laughs> they'll be there forever. I mean, this is not new, guys. I think what we're seeing corruption is corruption. Corruption has always been in law enforcement. It, it's no longer corruption that we're seeing now. That we're we're getting to this level of abuse and assault that people are are being uh, drawn under. That is the roll up of the police state. This kind of stuff. Cops dealing drugs, cops selling drugs, cops using drugs to get laid. That's been happening for a very long time. That's not a new thing. Uh, in the, in the uh, next segment here, we're going to have James Wood joins, uh, join us. Uh, again, he's an activist out of New York. Uh, he was involved in a lot of the pro- protests that went on last week. And uh, he got some really good videos. So I'm looking forward to talking with him. Him and I agree on a lot of things. I do know there's a couple things him and I don't agree on. So this should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. You guys are listening to The First 52 on RazRadioLive.com and RadioFreeBlood.com. Guys, I'll be back with you in a couple minutes. Sit tight. Look at my crayon. Hold on. What am I supposed to say? What am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> What's your name again? John Raz. Four Toad and Lexi. Oh, I meant Four Toad. Sure. Oh. Four Dave. Dave. <laughs> Hey, it's always great to be on the first 52 with Sean Raz or Toad and Lexi. You know, I, don't, I sound like shit. What am I, give me a script here. Come on. I can't do this. You're putting me on, under pressure. Bob, don't worry about it here. And uh, Dr. Bob. It's Dr. Bob, yeah. Dr. Bob Tuscan. It's Bob Tuscan, and you're listening to the first 52 on Raz Radio with my buddies Sean Raz and Lexi Raz and that guy, Four Toad.
of these lies, puffing on formaldehyde. When you light a smoke flow, riding the water, steroids in your yoke. It's an ongoing joke, government control. They're laughing at our ass, but we're left out in the cold. A billion dollar industry perception that is sold. Take a hunk of metal and turn it into gold. We walk and sing aloud, just like some sheep. So it's time to take that leap, spit knowledge on these beats. Transparency is key, cause we know talk is cheap. Careful where you walk, or you end up in the heat. Well, you got to love when things don't want to cooperate with you, don't you? That's always lovely. You guys are listening to the first 52 on uh, RazRadioLive.com and RadioFreeBlood.com. I had a really cool song to pick out to come back in with, and then we get that. I don't even know what the heck that was. So I do apologize about that. Coming up now in this hour here, we have an individual that I, uh, you know, I've never really met. Seems like a pretty cool guy. Uh, we follow each other on Facebook. Uh, we go back and forth every once in a while. Like I said, there's some things that, uh, he doesn't agree with that I talk about. I'm sure there's some things that he talks about that I don't really agree with. But that's part of the great thing of what we do here. You know, we can all learn from each other. And it's gonna be exciting. I got James Woods. Uh, James Wood, Woods is, uh, indie journalist. He's out of New York City. Uh, if you wanna find him, James from the Internet is his, uh, Twitter handle. He works with the DC Media Group. And Global Rev. James, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, brother. What's shaking? Not much, man. Uh, you know, let's start off with introducing each other to, you know, to each other. Cause I, I think I followed you through Scott Ledger. I think you were on his show once and that's how I found you. Um, so tell me about yourself. I'll tell you about me, whatever you don't know, but tell me about yourself first. Um, I, I guess, uh, going with the easy part of it, I, uh, I was pretty much, uh, you know, Joe Six packing it through life like everybody else, uh, grinding it out, getting my paycheck, life was good, um, Occupy Wall Street hit, I was actually living in Atlanta at the time, uh, getting a little more granular, and what's kind of funny, I was working on Dancing with the Stars. Uh, <laughs> Dancing with the Stars? Yeah, I was, I was, uh, I was story producing, uh, when Nancy Grace was on the show, cause I lived in Atlanta and they needed a local producer. So, uh, I, I spent 12 hours a day sitting in a tiny room with Nancy Grace. Oh, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, these are the things we do for a paycheck, man. <laughs> and then, you know, after, after like 12 hours, she'd be like, Hey, come down to the tower with me and, you know, come sit in on the show. So I would, I would actually get to go into the large CNN tower, you know, right into the control room, belly of the beast. And uh, I sort of got a, a behind-the-scenes look uh, during the entire eviction of Occupy Wall Street. And number one, how you know violent, ridiculous it was. But more importantly, uh, how how very specific CNN and other media sources were, you know, down to shots they were taking, the people they were interviewing, even though they had access to you know 140 different cameras up there. And uh, I, 
you know, I always knew what I what I did in TV was was sort of almost without merit. But uh, I, I had never really taken a moment to think about just how ridiculously nefarious the whole thing was. And I got mildly disgusted, and I uh, I rolled down to the the Occupy camp that was in Atlanta the next day and said, "Hey, I'm James, and uh, I work in TV." And somebody threw a laptop with a with a webcam on top of it and into my hand and said, "Congratulations, you're the live streamer." <laughs> so you got promoted right away to uh, you know basically the production director of the live stream there. Yeah, and then you know things just snowballed from there, and you know obviously it was a. Uh, you know, it's been four years now, and, and obviously, you know, what I've been exposed to is somewhat, you know, changed my viewpoint on stuff. And, uh, you know, now I have a bit of reach, and now I get an opportunity to sort of uh, pay that back and, you know, help either people magnify their voices or, you know, help to help other people to challenge ideologies and views. And, um, you know, I'm not so much totalitarian as I'm, I'm really... Uh, I'm very much into the media and understanding that everybody should have a voice. Everybody should have a, a chance on the microphone. Everybody should have a chance to get their view out there. Mm -hmm. And uh, it shouldn't be controlled by, you know, six corporations or, you know, if, if you're an Illuminati guy, you know, 20 old white dudes sitting around a table wearing hoods, rubbing their fingers together like Mr. Burns. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's just sort of evolved from there. Well, it's, that's a good thing. It sounds good. Uh, you know. I was never, I wasn't a big, how do I say this without sounding like an idiot? I wasn't a big Occupy supporter, because uh, I am kind of on that, at the time of Occupy, I was very strong in the libertarian movement, and I felt that there was a lot of uh, differences from what I was believing at that time. Now, I've evolved a little bit. I think we all evolve every year. We go through changes. We start questioning different things in different manners. Uh, like I said, there's some things that you and I might get into tonight that we disagree on. And I know that we do because you post on my Facebook all the time. <laughs> so I know where we disagree, you know. But that's a good thing. You know, Scott used to always say the 80-20 rule. And that's an important part of how we continue to grow and move forward as humanity is understanding that we are not the same people. We will never be the same people. And we need to, you know, understand that you're going to have something different from me. As long as you're not affecting me and I'm not affecting you, it really shouldn't matter if we think differently. No, I, I totally agree. And for what it's worth, when I was living down in Florida and Georgia, I'm originally from New York, but uh, I lived I lived in the South for about 12 years, and uh, I was a registered libertarian. I voted I voted Paul in 08. I voted Gary Johnson in in 12. Uh, you know, I'm definitely not a, a you know leftist blue tie wearing you know Democrat lever pulling Hillary supporter. Uh, you know, that, it, that's not my jam at all. And sometimes it's, it's funny because people will, you know, they initially, you know, know what I do. Like, oh, you must be one of those horrible liberals. And it's like, well, <laughs> I agree there are horrible liberals. I'm just not one of them. Well, see, I used to be a very strong Republican. I was one of those, you know, glass parking lot people. And now I get called a liberal or a Democrat. And I'm like, don't put a label on me. That's, I, I don't have any label. I don't want to have a label. I don't want to be associated with a group. You know, like, I believe that 9-11 was an inside job, but I don't like to call myself a truther. I believe that, uh, you know, maybe Obama is an illegal president, but I don't want to be called a birther. You know, we go through all these different things that they make up these terminologies. Uh, it goes back to conspiracy theory. The CIA created that to, to distract from all of it. Now, where do you stand on some of these other things? I want to get into police brutality with you. I actually have a pretty good story to bring up while we talk about that. I know that's a big thing you've been doing right now up with the protests uh, up in New York there. But uh, where do you stand on some of these other theories that we talk about? I mean, I know you believe vaccines are good. 
already know that. Uh, you know, it's science. You say that. <laughs> I'm a big fan of science. Yeah, that's cool. I understand that. You know, science isn't always right, though. <laughs> no, no, and I agree. And, and I'm, you know, I'm the first one to tell you I don't think people should go go out and you know get forty two thousand vaccines in the first you know eight months post fetus. Um, you know, there's a, there's a middle ground to these things. And again, it's it's because in the media, it's it's so easy to polarize and say you're either this or either this to take people out of that gray area. And go, you know, you have to support this or you have to support this. When more often than not, the the wisest and most intelligent thing is usually somewhere in the middle of the road. Mm -hmm. But the middle of the road doesn't sell commercial airtime. Middle of the road doesn't sell political ideologies. The middle of the road doesn't, you know, sell guns. It doesn't sell Bibles. It doesn't sell Big Macs. So uh, it's almost the job of the media to, to make everything so that it's polarized. See, and I would agree that the theory behind vaccination is a, a feasible good thing. I, I don't disagree with that fact. My problem is we can't trust these people making it. And that's where the problem lies. You know, that's where the problem comes in. The, the people making it are the same people making these uh, antidepressants and these, these painkillers and all these different things. And, and it's been proven a few times over that there's some nefarious things going on with these vaccines. I, you know, there's, again, there's, there's nefarious things with every company and, uh, you know, it's all profit driven. Now I have, I have a slightly unfair advantage because I'm, I'm married to a scientist. So uh -oh, we're in trouble now. <laughs> so, so I actually, you know, wait, if you talked to me about this four years ago, I wouldn't have known anything about it. Now I know a small smidgen of an iota about it. Uh, I'm, I'm a big conventional lover of the thought of the only true wisdom lies in knowing that you know nothing. So I, I know next to nothing, but what I know is that, you know, peer review exists in science for a reason. Uh, with any group in industry, there's always a certain amount of corruption and collusion. And at some point, you have to rely upon individuals that work within a system that a certain percentage of them are going to be honest or going to come forward or, you know, doing it for for a good reason, or if not, then there's no reason to trust everything, and we should all sit in our individual apartments huddled with our shotguns and just wait for the bang on the door. You know, like at some point, you kind of have to, like, you know, you have to exist within society. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and it's funny you bring up peer review because it's a, another debate that goes on, uh, and it's really gotten hot recently. Uh, I don't know if you've seen a bunch of these articles coming out and stories coming out about all these different peer-reviewed studies, they're starting to pull things from them because they found out that they were done in collusion and they were, you know, results were forced in that direction. Have you seen any of that going around? I've seen a little bit of it. And, uh, again, it's, it's, you know, then by the same token, if you go by, you know, well, you can't trust the scientists who develop the, the companies that, that produce the government agencies that distribute, then by the same token, you can say, well, I don't trust the media that reports it. So it, you, you're, you're in the same place again, which is at, at some point, facts have to be facts. Um, granted, not everybody's going to believe them or everybody's going to agree with them. But, you know, we, without science, we, we'd be swinging clubs at, at pterodactyls trying to get dinner over the fire. <laughs> well, I agree again. Yes, absolutely. And science evolves. I mean, remember, one time people thought the Earth was flat. One time people thought the earth, the sun was the center of the universe. Um, so as science evolves, we learn new things. And I think we need to continue to go along that lines. I would hope that we get some people that we can trust in power 
that can move us forward, not in power, but in, in positions of authority and in positions of responsibility. Uh, I just don't feel that we have enough of that right now. And, and that's where the issue lies with that, that one particular thing. Let's, let's, let's talk about my favorite. Uh, my co-host and I go back and my old co-host and I go back and forth about this all the time. I'm sure you follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm sure you see my pictures on a regular basis. Where do you stand with the uh, chemtrail issue? Um, you know, it's it's a, again. I think that's one of those things where the the truth lies somewhere in the middle. Um, I, I I would more than agree with the fact that there there's a bunch of people out there who enjoy playing God and enjoy doing it even more if they see uh, an avenue for profit. And uh, you know, the controversy creates cash, and uh, problems create chaos. So, you know, who's, who's to, you know, completely say or disown, oh, well, you know, people would never screw with the environment because that would be bad for us. Yeah, well, screwing with the environment would create problems, which then creates the need for a solution to the problem, and those solutions always bring profitability. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, <laughs> you know, they, 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 there's no reason to deny it. Now, every time a plane goes up and I see white smoke behind it, I'm not like, ooh, chemtrail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and that's the one big thing about it. You know, when you look up, you have to know what you're looking at because there is contrails. There is such thing as contrails. There are contrails that stick around a little longer. It's when it's there for hours and it spreads out, you know, you have to really question what you're looking at at that point. Oh, yeah. No, I, 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 would, I would totally agree that that sort of thing happens. Now, again, to the extent of it or the extent of what kind of chemicals are going into the sky and, you know, what's being loaded into planes and how often and what the end result is. Again, these things take, unfortunately, they require research. They require science, which are two things that are continuously getting undercut and underfunded by the government because, you know, there's no profitability in uh, an informed electorate. There's no profitability in people that you can't scare. Um, <laughs> so, so of course, you know, less and less research goes into this because the, the boogeyman is a far more powerful tool to sell problems and then sell solutions mm-hmm. than a strong base of knowledge. Uh, I, I, yes, absolutely. And, and I look at when I see the chemtrails, when I see persistent jet contrails, when I see geoengineering going on, you know, I, I, I always think, why are they doing it? Well, I honestly believe that it was started as a, as a good thought. Again, this goes back to vaccinations. It, it, it's people wanting to do good, but then realizing what they're doing bad. And we see that in a lot of different things, even pharmacists, even even doctors. Uh, these people want to do good. They believe they're doing good. But unfortunately, uh, too much evidence shows they're not. All right, let's move into police here. Um, one of the things that grabbed my attention from you that actually made me want to ask you to join was you were at a protest on the Brook- was it the Brooklyn Bridge? Uh, yeah, last week. Yeah, which, uh, one of my friends, Cynthia, was there also. I don't know if you, you know Cynthia or not, if you ever run across her in, in New York there. Uh, she was the producer for Scott there for a while. Yes, the, the booking goddess and I know each other. There you go. Good. So she was there also, but she wasn't one of the ones that jumped the fence. So tell me what that protest was for who? Uh, that was actually, uh, the, the national for it was A14. Um, I would I would go so far as to say that the national was organized by the Stop Mass Incarceration Network, which is an offshoot of the RCP, which is the the Bobavakian people. 
if you're not aware of who Bob Avakian is, uh, I would just Google BA Speaks and then get prepared for a chuckle. Uh, you know, they did get a national push because Cornell West has been has been advocating a lot of their actions lately. And, you know, Cornell West is definitely somebody who a lot of people have respect for. Right. That's the that's the Republican uh, general that just retired recently. Correct. No, no. Cornell West is a uh, professor at Harvard. OK. And uh, he's a an advocate for for especially, you know, civil rights. Uh, Cornell West is the man. He, he's got, he's got tons of knowledge. He speaks. He can hold a crowd. He's, he's, he's an amazing individual. Um, you know, I'm not the hugest fan of the radical communist party or Bob Avakian. Uh, but again, I don't have to, you know, worship or adore, you know, uh, somebody in a leadership position and not get behind a movement. I mean, I, you know, I went to tea party rallies in, uh, in Atlanta with, uh, you know, with Occupy Atlanta at the same time, uh, because there's usually a middle ground. So it was the Stop Mass Incarceration Network. Uh, they organize this on a national scale, uh, usually in New York, just because of population density, you tend to get bigger turnout for things like this. So when they're national, you know, maybe a hundred people are marching in Atlanta or 80 people are marching in Tampa, but you'll get 4,000, 5,000 in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was, it was obviously, you know, it, it's an answer to the, the constant never ending police brutality, which some would argue that you're just seeing more of it because everybody has a cell phone. <laughs> They're right. But, uh, you know, I don't think so. I don't agree with that either. Uh, uh, I, I would definitely I'm say. Of, I'm in the streets of the camera a lot. And, you know, the, the police are just, they, they've gone completely off the deep end. They're not clubbing people like baby seals. It's got to be worse up there, even. I mean, did, did they finally stop the uh, stop and frisk, or are they still doing that? Oh no, 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 we we totally still do that. That's that's how New York rolls. We have a uh, uh, Bill Bratton is now the commissioner. He was the the former commissioner back during the days of Giuliani, um, and and they brought him back after he was working as a security consultant in L.A. for the LAPD. And you know, we know what fine human beings they are that don't violate civil rights. Oh no, they're great. They never hurt anybody. No, no, not at all. And, uh, you know, we now have a push in New York where they actually want to spend more tax dollars to hire yet another thousand police in the NYPD. That's and, what, that's uh, exactly what you need in New York. More police. I mean, oh, shit. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you need what? One cop per every two citizens? Is that what they're trying to get to? Uh, they might be. And there was a, there was something interesting, you know, during the, uh, the Michael Brown, Eric Garner blowups. When so many people were, were rallying against the police and the, the mayor caught a ration of crap from the cops for not, you know, blindly supporting them. And so the police kind of went on an unofficial work stoppage. I remember that. Yep. And the amount of tickets and citations they wrote dropped 90% and crime didn't go up one iota. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And once that stat hit the streets, they kind of freaked out and went back to work before people realized that maybe they don't need over-policing to, you know, intimidate people instead of just relying on people to be normal human beings. Well, plus the city was losing tons of money by tickets not being written. I mean, you got to generate revenue somehow. Oh, yeah, no, that's, that, that's you know, and, and I'm not saying that, that policing is entirely a bad thing. You know, I'm, I'm a fan of community policing. Uh, I'm a fan of police living in an area where they work and, you know, being part of their community and this and that. But, you know, 30 years ago when, when my old man was a cop, you know, 30 years ago when my old man was a cop, you know, cops are guys in the neighborhood and, you know, they went through training and they were local and people knew who they were and they had a vested interest in their community. 
And now I think uh, in New York, the stat is in the last year, just over 60% of all the people who have gone to the academy in New York are retired military, you know, guys who are just coming out of the sandbox after four or five tours. Yep. And in the time that it would take them to get even an initial appointment at a VA to get diagnosed with any kind of problem they have, in the 330-something days it would take to do that, they can sign up for the NYPD, go all the way through the academy, and then be out on the streets. While they might have a metal deficiency or, or, or PTSD going on or, or something else in their life that maybe doesn't make them the best person to be walking the streets with a gun. Yeah, and, and, and even if, if you go away from that, you know, now you're talking about a police force that's, they're military trained, you know, they've just spent four years viewing the general public as not as citizens or people, but all as potential insurgents. Right. And when you get a bunch of people with guns looking at you like an insurgent, it creates a certain amount of friction and stress to start with, so it doesn't take much for rallies and riots and protests to happen. Well, that goes to the article I'm staring at right now. New release documents reveal U.S. military labeled all Ferguson protesters as enemy forces. Now, I tweeted this, and somebody said, well, they were burning down and, and damaging things. Of course they're enemy forces. No, I'm sorry. Those are citizens of the United States. They're, they're, at the worst, they may be criminals, but they should. Uh, you should never label your citizens to your troops as enemy forces. No, not at all. And I actually, I went to Ferguson, and uh, I, I got to tell you, I've been to you know protests and you know even somewhat small riots all around the country for the last four years. And you know, I was in Ferguson, and they were running MRAPs down the street with mounted LRADs, chirping them off. They were opening up vans with twenty, thirty German shepherds in them, and just letting them off the leash and running them into crowds. And I'm standing there with a camera, and they're sicking German shepherds. On black people in the middle of the streets, like it's 1952 in Selma. Like it was, it was surreal and bizarre. And with all the crap I've seen, I have never seen crap like that. Wow, yeah, I, I couldn't imagine. See, I live in a small little town in Southwest Florida, uh, small population. I think our county has 150,000 people total in the county, which it's a big county. So that's one of my disadvantages and why I enjoy doing the radio thing is because. There's nothing going on around me. It takes me an hour and a half to get to Tampa if I wanted to go to do a protest or, or be involved with something. So it's nice for you to be in the heart of an area where these things continuously go on. Uh, not that you want them to go on, but it's nice to be able to be there to be involved. I, you know, I've got Cynthia up there. I've got uh, Frank Castle from Heist Click. I don't know if you've ever run across him, but he lives up there. A bunch of people I know up in that region there, and they try to get out and try to be involved which is a great thing. And that's one thing I miss being able to do or, or miss not being able to do. Well, I, I actually, I lived in Tampa for a few years. So even just in Tampa, it's not like it's a towering edifice of culture where so much crap goes down. <laughs> um, and then Atlanta, which, which it just turned into the same thing every day. And, uh, you know, I had an opportunity to come back home up here to New York. And, uh, you know, obviously even just dealing with with standard factors like population density and, you know, how many large cities are around that I, I do have greater access to stuff, but you know, it's the things that happen in the small towns, you know, Ferguson, Missouri, nobody had heard of it up until seven months ago. And, you know, when I went there, I had to drive 18 and a half hours to get there. All right. I was in, uh, when I was in the military, I spent some time at Fort, uh, Fort Sills, Oklahoma, Fort Lenawood, Missouri, which, you know, Missouri is in general, unless you're in those big cities, Kansas city or, 
Uh, what's the other big city in Missouri? I forget the other. I don't even remember the other big city because it's St. Louis. St. <laughs> yeah, St. Louis. There you go. <laughs> you know, unless you're in those locations, it is very, very rural. The rest of the area. Now, I grew up in South Jersey, right outside Philly, about 20 minutes outside Camden, an hour and a half from New York. So I grew up in that kind of environment, but I was nowhere near um, awake and, and alert to what's going on in the world as I am now. Oh, neither was I. I, you know, I, I coasted through high school and, you know, coasted through college that I went to and probably forgot three quarters of it by the time <laughs> I was out and, you know, worked my, my schmucky schleppy jobs. I, I really never thought of it until... Until the day I was, I was sitting in that CNN control room, and you know they had, they had about 120 cameras, all pointed at Zuccotti Park, and they have a whole wall, you know, of, of what shots they can call. And it's one director who's got a red phone on his desk, you know, and a producer, and they're getting calls from directly upstairs, and they're going, you know, well, we'll go to this shot, go to this shot, and it was it was just it completely floored me. And I'm I'm 44, so you know this this didn't you know it's not like I was I was some young activist. Save the environment, vegan, running around with a with a protest billboard, you know, like that's not my jam, man. But just one day, kind of like it all hit me, and I I just kind of like woke up out of left field, and and now I'm I'm appalled. Well, we're both the same age then, so that's well about the same age. I'm four, I'll be forty in June, so we're right in that same time frame and age frame. Um, James, I want to take a break. You uh, good to hang around for like another half hour, give or take? Yeah, go for it. All right, cool. We're gonna roll out into a break here. Uh, you guys are listening to the first 52 on RazRadioLive.com and RadioFreeBlood.com. Uh, when we get back, James and I will talk some more. I've got a video of uh, three ex-cops smoking weed. We'll, we'll talk about that and look at that and a bunch of other things that are going on. Uh, make sure you also go to Teespring.com. Uh, search Raz Radio. You'll find our T-shirts. I got the, uh, the, the What's With All These Chemtrail T-shirt out there. It's going to help us uh, fund the station and keep things going. So please check that out. And uh, we'll be back with you guys in a couple minutes. This is RazRadioLive.com, the first 52. It's actually the, the very definition of terrorism. They're trying to kill people for a political agenda. It's just, you know, a nicety. So, uh, yeah, just keep in mind, guys, that the news agencies are not there to tell you the truth. They're there to tell you what they're told to tell you. You're still stuck to the American dollar, and you're still stuck to American laws. So, I still want to have the freedom to go where I want to go if I need to go. Uh, I think that's the most important thing in my mind, at least. And this goes along... If this is going to be another cum, cum trail... I've got lesbians and he's got cum trail. <laughs> okay, why don't you just move along? Animals get in the way when you're doing a radio what show. What I think is going to... They're going to have to redirect the American's mindset. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been even more fun. Yeah, that would have been a lot of fun. <laughs> I, I want you all to keep your eyes open and your ears open on what's going on. It's the first 52.
car crash can't seem to look away I don't know what's before me, I've got inside But from my rebirth I see with brand new eyes The media lies, the government spies Free world controlled by devils in disguise The television flippers and breaks to hypnotize As retained by the bitch of MSG supersize Another mother cries for her son's lost life Political greed breeds another genocide No choices left, stand up and fight Divided we fall but united we survive Now it's time to put the money in the bitches to the side You'll never truly come up when you live a servant's life I hurt myself today To see if I still feel I focus on the pain To the voting machines Now they censor this on YouTube Labeled it extreme Bernanke and his lackeys Printing pony green Hit us with inflation Annihilate the nation No investigation of the Bush administration Obama runs on change Brzezinski's in his ear The only thing that changes Is the puppet in the year They open up the borders Truth is on our shoulders Focus on the pain This is the new world order Order, 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 order. I hurt myself today to see if I still feel I focus on the pain The only thing that's real I hurt myself today To see if I still feel I focus on the pain the only thing Friedman of bradblog.com, the guy you love to love. Ah, our buddy Brad Freeman. 
Welcome back to the first 52 on RadsRadioLive.com. Hope you guys got your break on. I hope you did what you had to do, whatever that might be that you need to do to get yourself happy to enjoy the show some more. Yes, you're listening to the first 52 on RadsRadioLive.com and RadioFreeBlood.com. I appreciate Jack for picking the show up. Make sure you're checking his show out either on his station or my station. You can catch it every weekday, Monday through Friday, 3 to uh, three to 5. Sometimes he goes longer, sometimes he goes shorter. God knows what he does sometimes. We don't know what Jack's up to sometimes. <laughs> All right. I'm going to roll out of that there. I appreciate uh, that. That's a, if you've never heard of Brand New Sin, they're a great band out of upstate New York. Good guys, young kids. That's who we're listening. Oh, this is Brand New Sin. Yeah, Brand New Sin. Exactly. Sorry. I confuse myself sometimes. <laughs> Anyway, let's bring James back up. James, you still there, brother? I'm here, man. Excellent, excellent. So you got your you got your bathroom break on. You got a drink. We're good to go for another little bit here. Maybe cover some interesting things. Uh, you know, one thing we left that last segment with was police brutality and how law enforcement has grown to this mass that we're not sure what's going on. And I get accused all the time of being some kind of cop hater. I do nothing but share negative stories about law enforcement. How, how I'm such an evil person and I should never ask for a cop's help because I share these stories and I should share more positive stories. Uh, did you get that too every, every once in a while, James? Uh, I get it so often and I, you know, I, I get it to the point now where even when I'm, I'm out in the streets in New York, I get approached by people and or police officers who uh who know my face and and know my name and it's 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 a little eerie um you know the, the the police thing is like the support the troops thing where you know you're just supposed to take a motto and blindly follow whatever they do you know i can i can support the stru- the troops and be against the you know just the totality of the ludicrous military complex it's kind of the same thing with the police like policing is a basic function there should be some kind of policing i don't think that there should be you know, guys rolling down my street in MRAPs with, you know, sound cannons mounted to the roof. Pulling over, you know, other patriots and other people that do this. You know, Lucas Joel was pulled over by an MRAP a couple weeks ago or last weekend in Gainesville. Yeah, I saw I saw that. I actually, I, I went to UF, so Gainesville is a, a place that's near and dear to my heart, and I saw that, and it, it that kind of boggled me. It's amazing. So what I want to do, though, real fast, let's talk about a positive police story. You, you up for that, James? Oh, sure. Okay, cool. Have you seen the story out of Ohio yet? Uh, the three retired police officers? No, no, not that one. We'll get there soon. Oh, we'll we'll okay. get to that one next. No, this story is out of Ohio. Let's, let's play the audio so we both are up to speed with what's going on with it. Investigators say that Michael Wilcox killed his fiancée in their Brown County home then killed his best friend in Ellesmere, Kentucky. After a chase in Claremont and Hamilton counties, he was arrested by a new Richmond officer, and tonight that brave officer talks with us. Yeah, but first on WLWT, we're going to show you the entire encounter as seen from the officer's body camera. Get your hands up! Get your hands up! Get your hands up right now! Stop! Stop right there! I don't want to shoot you, man. I don't want to shoot you. Don't let it step it up. Don't do it, man. I'll shoot you. I'll shoot you. Get back. Get back. Get your hands out of your pocket. Get your hands out of your pocket now. 
me, man. I'm not gonna do it. Shoot me! Shoot me! Shoot me! Don't even step me up now! Do that! Back up! Back up! Get down on the ground! Alright, before I let this continue, because it's at the end of it now, I want to explain what I just watched for all of you listening. What I saw was a cop get out of his car, pull his gun, aim it at this individual, and then retreat. He's got to be about a 100 yards from his car now, backing up the entire time, actually fell down, and never pulled the trigger. Tonight, we're learning more about that 27-year-old rookie police officer. WLWT News 5's Jackie Congedo spoke with him tonight. Jackie. Mike Entry Officer Jesse Kidder has only been on the new Richmond Police Force for a year, but he's done two tours of duty as a Marine in Iraq, and he's a Purple Heart recipient. Still, he says he's never been confronted the way he was yesterday. Law enforcement officers all across the nation deal split-second decisions that mean life or death. I wanted to be absolutely sure before I used deadly force. Easier said than done, and that's never been clearer than through the lens of Officer Jesse Kidder's body camera when the homicide suspect he's following gets out of his car and charges. He jumped out and he sprinted towards me. Um, I had my firearm, my firearm already drawn on him, uh, and I told him to uh, put his hands up in the air. And he was, he was screaming as he was yelling, shoot me, shoot me. Dispatchers had told Officer Kidder the suspect may threaten suicide by cop and that he could have a gun under his seat. But Officer Kidder relied on his own split-second observations to know what to do. So he's got his arms at his sides while he's running at me. And that's the first thing I notice. He put his hand in his pocket there. Um, so my hand, my eyes are watching that hand right now, nothing else. Get your hands out of your pocket there! Knowing backup was on its way, Officer Kidder kept backpedaling while the suspect insisted Officer Kidder shoot him. I was trying to open a dialogue with him, you know, I don't want to shoot you, just get on the ground. Uh, but he wasn't having it. Um, he just kept repeating, shoot me. Uh, at one point, you know, he, he said, shoot me or I'll shoot you. Then the suspect charged. And he, he got towards my face right as I lost balance. I'm thinking at this point that if he goes in to attack me, that I will have to use deadly force to defend myself. And just in the nick of time, there's the sound of backup. <laughs> and a surrender. For him to, to make the judgment call that he did uh, shows great restraint um, and, and maturity. This video, video footage should eliminate all doubt that this officer would have been justified if in fact it came to a shooting. Officer Kidder told me tonight that one of his relatives actually gave him that body camera to wear after everything that happened in Ferguson and tonight the chief says He's looking for funding to try and make sure he can get those body cameras for all of his officers. Reporting live tonight, Jackie Conjado, WLWT News 5. And I will say that if that cop would have pulled the trigger, based on the video I watched, I would not have been mad at that cop. Um, so I would say you should check this video out, James. Uh, based on what you heard, though, what do you think? Uh, I actually have seen it now that you, you played it. It's so many cop stories at once. They all kind of put together. <laughs> I know, yeah. Specifics. Um, you know, my... my I, I have a, a snarky side, so my my first reaction when I saw it was, oh well, you know the guy wasn't an unarmed black man, so they explained why he didn't shoot him. Uh, <laughs> good point. Good point. But 
but you know, it's, it's, it, she made a very good point, you know, the, the broadcaster, which is, you know, having to rely on instincts and certain judgments. And, and part of that is, is the personality and the, the, the traits of the, you know, the person behind the badge. And then part of it is years of enforced training. And, uh, you know, it, has the Ferguson thing sort of made the police gun shy? I mean, you know, they're stacking up dead bodies like firewood on the side of the house. So I would say no. Uh, you know, do body cams prevent it? You know, watching Eric Garner get choked to death on a sidewalk on video, I would say no. Right. But um, it's good to see that it's not every single police officer in every single town. And uh, I think stories like this are just as important as as stories about police executing people in the streets because it shouldn't be a a one-sided discussion. Well, unfortunately though, we don't see, you know, we get the the feel-good cop stories of the cop buying a car seat for the lady he pulled over or whatever, but we don't see these stories where, you know, a cop showed restraint, a cop prevented the death of the, this man wanted to die. He wanted to be killed. And this officer making the decisions he made using true heroism did not shoot this individual. And maybe the guy deserved to die. I mean, he did just murder two people, but that's not that officer's responsibility to choose that. And he made the, I think he made a great choice. And I, I just, if I'm going to pr present a positive cop video, that would be one of the ones I would present. Yeah, no. And, and I'm with you on that. And it's, it's nice to know that. You know, out of the hundreds of thousands of, of members of law enforcement around the country, that not every single one of them thinks that, you know, they're Judge Dredd and they should be Judge Jury and Executioner out in the field. You know, we, we have, you know, whether as screwed up as it is, you know, whether you agree with it or not, we have a system in place. And, and while it's, it's become somewhat of a farce, you know, this is still a country of laws and, and people are, they should have due process and due process shouldn't be settled by, you know, a 24-year-old guy with PTSD and a raging steroid addiction out in the field with, with a firearm. Uh, agreed very much. I mean, I, we agree. We're agreeing on a lot of stuff, James. So we're doing good here tonight. I'm really happy with how well we're getting along and how well we're agreeing on things. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a, you know, we, for people who weren't, you know, uh, at home who didn't hear it, we talked a little during the break. You know, even, you know, when you go a far right and a far left ideology and something as simple as, you know, Tea Party and Occupy back during their heydays a few years ago, the difference between the two was remarkably small and the, the middle ground and, and the commonality was large. And it's just the only thing that, that prevents people from, from finding that place in the middle is, is just addiction to ideological zealotry and, and listening to, to sock puppets and talking heads. Yeah. It's amazing how that works out and how things, how people are programmed and how, you know, if you watch the news now, it's so just, it, I don't watch the news. The only time I watch the news, I go to a, a pizza shop every day for lunch, and he has CNN on. So that's the only mainstream news I see ever. I don't, I never put it on in my house. I keep everything to, you know, Drudge Report or Yahoo News, and I, I read what they post, and then I evaluate on my own and, and decide how I feel. And unfortunately, we have the conglomerates that have gained control of the mass media. I mean, we talked about doing radio. You know, during the break also. It's up to us. It's up to us young guys. It's up to us guys that have nothing to lose, that just want to share their information and what they believe. It's up to us to really get that uh, idea out there of what's really going on. Well, you know, and, and that's why I was, I was a fan of, of live streaming technology, 
Now, I, I, I wouldn't sit around and, and watch a live broadcast for, you know, six hours of a bunch of people marching around in the street because it's, it's a time suck. <laughs> but, but being able to put it out there and have a, you know, a six hour unedited, uncut archive of something that happened where, where you have, you know, proof you have evidence of something that runs counter to, you know, stories that get made that are, you know, pushing a far right or a far left ideology. You know, if you watched MSNBC, you know, you'd think Al Sharpton was riding a unicorn and throwing his magic lasso around trolls under bridges and saving humanity. And, I thought you know, he was. He's not doing that? Do you think there's a unicorn that would actually let Al Sharpton sit on him? Come on. <laughs> That's pretty ridiculous. But, you know, and, and then you'd watch Fox News and, and, you know, Obama has devil horns coming out of his head and he's sacrificing babies to the dark overlord under the ground. And it's, it's all just such idiocy. And, and people fall for it. Not just people, like masses of people. And I, I don't know what's more disturbing is the media controlling people or people allowing themselves to be so easily controlled. And, and the only thing that counters either of those are, are, you know, independent journalists are, are people who are actually telling what's going on without an ideological bent. People providing, you know, coverage and, and evidence and, you know, live stream archives. And without that, you're, you're just sitting at home listening to the, to the bent words of one guy who's sitting on the top floor of a building you know, porting his ideology down to his people on the news desk and going, just report this. And, and people just eat it up. And I sometimes I walk down the street and I just want to slap people. You know, I, I read an article today and it was uh, it was a letter sent to uh, George Orwell by uh, Huskley. Husk, I can never get his name out right. Um, Huskley. Uh, and basically the letter talks about how in the future they're going to have to use medication and uh, pharmaceuticals, they don't say those words, but basically as you read it, that's what you get from it, to control the masses and get people to just cow down and, and do what you're talking to, telling them to do. Uh, so it was really neat to read that, and if you read 1984, if you watch the movie, you get the idea of how we're getting to that point. And I, I think a lot of people are seeing it more and more. It's like Animal Farm, uh, if you read that, which is also another Orwell book, uh, it really touches on on how we are the cattle of the elite and how we're just there to make a profit for them and to be their slaves. Oh, I think both those books were great blueprints for the world we live in now. It's amazing, isn't it, though, <laughs> that, that somebody in 1933 or 1932, whenever he wrote it, could, could, could literally lay out what we're seeing developing in front of us. Well, you know, this is all... Um... Are you familiar with the philosophy of how to boil a frog? Yep. Absolutely. Well, that's exactly what it is. And it's, it's a, it's a saying and a thing that I, I bust out everywhere I go to explain to people how they're being boiled and not noticing. And, uh, <laughs> it's a great analogy, but it's the truth. You know, if you just chuck a frog, you know, a frog in a 400 degree boiling water, he's going to jump out and you put that frog in a pot of water and then you just turn it up one degree every hour or so. Frog will just sit in the water and keep acclimating to it. Before he knows it, he's being boiled alive, and we're all the frog, man. Yeah, it's a scary thought to even think that we could be uh, controlled in such a manner, but we're seeing it. I mean, we see it on a regular basis every day. I mean, I've got people I work with. You know, i got one girl that I work with. Her son is very sick. He has problems. 
Um, he's on on antidepressant. He's on uh, ADHD medication. Um, he was over vaccinated, in my opinion, and has some issues related to that. And I said I, I offered her a movie to watch. A documentary uh, just came out. What the hell is the one that just came out? Um, I, I can't remember the title of it. I, oh, bought bought just came out recently. Okay. Uh, and I offered the. I said, hey, do you want to watch this? She said, well, is it about vaccinations and and what I'm dealing with? I said, yeah. I said, it might help you figure out how to help your son. She said, no, it's just going to scare me. I don't want to watch it. <laughs> you know, like, how can you just back down from something that may actually give you, uh, you know, some some help for your child? It's a, it's a real scary, scary world, and the world is now vast. You know, we keep hearing about how it's a global economy, and, you know, everybody is just hours away from everybody else. And, and I think it's sort of made people... Uh, retreat somewhat more into themselves. It, it's made, you know, not society on a whole, but individuals within a society, uh, want to kind of cocoon up a little bit and go, you know, this, this little bit that I can see in front of me, this is what I'm comfortable with. And, and this is what I'm going to go with because the world is just vast and, you know, full of nightmares. And I'm just going to stick with the three feet in front of my face and I'm going to poo poo everything else. And, it's it's leading to an uninformed, uneducated, frightening electorate, and uh, you know, as a country, man, we're we're rapidly circling the drain. Yeah, we we really are. It's getting scary. Uh, we've got you know what's going on with Iran and 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 Russia right now. Warships going on. Uh, you know, I didn't I didn't start paying attention to this stuff till two thousand nine myself. Like I said, I was a glass parking lot guy, and when I start, I had a my third child in 2008 and that's what started making me pay attention and and making me think about this and once my mind got set that there was something wrong i just it just flowed out of me i just wanted to learn everything i could maybe some of the things i've learned might not be quite accurate but it's still those things that make me continue to think about the next thing going on you know people will tell me oh you get your ideas from listening to alex jones well i haven't listened to alex jones in two years you know, I have no intention or no want to listen to him. The first year, two years of listening to him, it's repetitive after that. You know, it's the same thing, just different stories. So I've learned to to read things and use my own judgment, my own analysis to, to determine where I think that's going or what it means. And that's an important part that a lot of people have forgot how to do. Yeah, no, I... um. It's funny, you know, because I don't do the InfoWars thing. I don't do the Drudge Report thing. I do not think Obama is coming for our guns. I do not think we're all going to be herded into FEMA camps. Like, and, you know, and I'll say that and immediately enlightened people will, you know, oh, you're a mainstream media shill. No, of course I'm not. But I also don't have to believe the most ludicrous thing out there. However, those programs, no matter how ludicrous they are, they do serve as a portal for for, you know, unenlightened sleeping pod people to sort of wake up a little bit. Right, right. And, and then from that point on, you just have to hope that at some point sanity kicks in <laughs> once they walk through the portal and then they stop drinking the really, really wackadoodle Kool-Aid juice and sort of, instead of listening to somebody else who wants to inform them, figures out that it's okay to go out and seek information on your own and form your own opinions. Uh, you know, we could use about another 300 million people in this country who do that, but until it happens, it's, you know, up to people who do what I do, who do what you do, to, to pick people off and wake them up one at a time. Well, I would agree. And, you know, I wouldn't say Obama's trying to take our guns. I would say that there are people out there that want us disarmed. I don't think it's Obama. He's just a, a figurehead. He's just 
the one there to, to say the words in my mind. Uh, and the FEMA camps, you can't say that the United States hasn't put its own citizens into camps before because they have. Oh, no, they, they have. But again, I, I'm a little more pragmatic when I view stuff like this. And, and at the end of the day, you have, you have two real functions that are going on up at the top. It's the powerful who seek wealth and the wealthy who seek power. And that's, that's 99% of your, your upper echelon, your, you know, the power players, the people that are calling the shots. And the wealthy don't achieve power and the power, powerful don't achieve wealth by reducing the population, by killing people off, by putting them in camps, because then you don't have consumers. And without consumers, your economy goes sluggish. And with a sluggish economy, more people become unemployed, uh, shareholders lose money, uh, therefore, there's less money going into lobbyists, so therefore the powerful in government get less money. So it's counterintuitive. It's, it's counter to the very idea that the powerful seek wealth and the wealthy seek power by doing it. And, you know, you follow the path of least resistance, you follow the money, chances are that's going to lead you to, to the answer, is where's the money? Where's the money going? Where, why are they doing it? And is it even real? Uh, James... How can people find you? Where do, where can they go to find your videos? Where, where can they find you at? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at JamesFTInternet, which is short for James from the Internet. Uh, I write articles on a website, which is DCMedia.us, which is uh, uh, based in D.C. It's about half a dozen writers. Um, and then, you know, primarily I tell people if you're on like a Google or any kind of a search engine and you type in James from the Internet, all one word, no spaces, you'd be surprised the ludicrous amount of crap that comes up. Like sometimes I'm amazed at the digital footprint I'm leaving behind me. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always out there. I'm, I'm always trying to, you know, magnify people's voices, give people an opportunity to be heard, uh, you know, even if their belief in their ideology isn't the same as mine. And, uh, you know, if nothing else, you know, I'm sure people who are listening to your show, they at least have a clue. But, uh, you know, go out there, you know, rattle the people next to you. You don't have to, you know, start off with the tinfoil hat UFO stuff. But, uh, you know, ask them where they think their money's going. Ask them where they think their, you know, 38% of their income is, is being, being spent. And, uh, the indignation and anger that will come from that is usually more than enough to wake people up. Well, James, I appreciate you taking time tonight. Think about that thing we talked about during the break, because I'd be happy to have you uh, uh, on the line up here on Raz Radio Live. And uh, you have a great night, and I appreciate your time. No, I, I, I appreciate you having me, and uh, I will see you in the digital world. Yes, my friend. You have a great evening. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Peace, brother. Peace, James. And there goes James Wood. I want to thank him for joining us. Uh, I'm going to take a short little break here, about six minutes or so, and then we'll wrap the show up. I hope that worked for you guys, because uh, I hate to tell you, but that's what's... Uh, What's going to happen? Honey, look at those beautiful clouds. Those are clouds, Daddy. Those are chemtrails. Chemtrails? What are chemtrails? Chemical trails, Daddy, and they're very bad.
from DeadlineLive.info and the Jack Blood Show. You're listening to the first 52 with Sean, Raz Radio Live. Stay bold. <sighs> Welcome back to the first 52 on RazRadioLive.com. Hope you guys have enjoyed the show tonight. I've had a really good time. I want to thank James from the internet, James Woods, for joining me tonight. Really good, good time with you, man. I hope we get to do it again soon. Got a little bit of time left here tonight to cover a few little other things that I feel that we need to talk about. What do you think about that? Does that work for you? You know, it makes me laugh all the time when I see things like too many vitamins can give you cancer. A major new study warns the millions who take them. <laughs> All right. Let's be honest with this. All right, I'll give the writer of this story, the writer of this this whole thing, a little bit of credit. It's too much of anything is dangerous, no matter what it is. It doesn't matter what it is. If you take too much of it, it might hurt you. So keep that in mind. You know, I'm as a the kind of person I am, there's certain things that I might take extra of because I feel I need more of it. So that's what I do. Am I endangering myself? I don't know. I feel healthy. I feel happy. I don't feel like I have any problems. I just realized my monitors were up. I hope that wasn't echoing too much for you guys. I apologize. But anyway... Yes, too much of anything can hurt you. Yes, too much pot can hurt you. Too much alcohol can hurt you. Too many pharmaceuticals can hurt you. Too much cake can hurt you. We realize that. That That's okay. That's a given thing. I think we can all agree on that one. But to make it such a fear tactic, to make it like you shouldn't do this, <sighs> that's what bothers me. So they, they report that too many uh, vitamins might hurt you. Or they might not. You might be okay. You might have nothing to worry about. Read the story. Figure out what you think. We didn't get to get, and I wish I would have, and I, I'm not going to play it because it's seven minutes long or six minutes and 30 seconds long, but I highly suggest Googling ex-cops smoke weed full video. And it's... It, I'll play some parts of it. How's that sound? Should I play some parts of it for you guys? You want to hear some of it? It blew my mind. I'm sure you guys saw the grandmas smoke weed for the first time. The, the ex-cop smoke weed for the first time is great. And what you have is you have, uh, I think the one says he's 74. The other one's probably, I'd say, in his 60s. And the other guy's probably 45 or 50. And these guys are sitting around. They don't even know how to smoke weed. Let's just do a little bit of audio here, and we'll go from there. Hey, Hi. Uh, the 
last time I smoked was in probably 1968 when I was in college. First time I smoked, I was 14 years old. Uh, I got caught the first time I smoked, so that kind of put, put the kibosh on that for a while. I tried it once and tell you I was on a waterbed with a very agreeable woman and listening to Rhapsody in Blue, which I know lasts for about 18 minutes and 40 seconds. And it lasted for, oh, hell, two or three hours. <laughs> okay, re-extend. Now the left. All right, what they're doing here is they're doing a pre-smoking field sobriety test. 82. So let's do a heel to toe. Let's do five forward. And I'm going to say here, and you'll hear this later in the video, I'm watching this, this 74-year-old guy try to do heel to toe, and he's stumbling all over the place. Like, just all over the place. Two. Three. I'm a gunner. Four. He literally can't do it. It's pretty funny. I'm set. All right. Do you have any questions? And yes, this video was recorded in Washington State where the smoking of marijuana is legal. I certainly like would. <laughs> you go ahead. All right. And then, oh, am I breathing through, breathing yeah. through my yeah. mouth? Just in, inhale. And of course, i got to add this caveat. Every single one of these guys still has their cop stash. The first guy's got this big, like, goatee cop stash. And, and it'll all make sense here in a second. Hmm. So can you get uh, your whole um, lips? Yeah, my name is Reen. I was a police officer. I graduated from WSU in 1970 and went to work right in the same year and uh, didn't retire until 97. There, there we go. you go. Now he's getting a hit. He couldn't get a hit before that. You can stop now. <laughs> that was a good rip. My name is David. I was a reserve police officer from 1997 through 2004. <coughs> My name is Robert. Went to the police academy in the fall of 1970 and worked until the fall of 1986. And then after that, I taught as a freelance trainer, mostly for the Criminal Justice Training Commission. Taught at the police academy for nine or ten years. <laughs> now, wait. <laughs> <laughs> now what do we do? Wait, five minutes later. I wasn't sealing right at first because I think I had it stuck on my mustache or something. But <laughs> Have you ever arrested someone for marijuana? You know, I thought about that a lot, and as far as I can remember, I never arrested anyone for it. But I took a lot of pot away from people and threw it away in front of them. And I thought, now that's a good cop, even when he was a cop. That was a bigger deterrent than actually writing a criminal citation. I think it should be legal. I think it should be more widely available for medical reasons. It, it's like the last piece of prohibition. So do you believe marijuana is a gateway drug? I think it certainly can be a gateway drug, yes. I'd like to respond to that too because if you look at it, everyone who's a heroin addict started out drinking milk. <laughs> Apparently. I mean, that's the argument about marijuana. Milk's a sure gateway that's... drug, my friends. Be ready. Milk's a gateway drug. Now they're smoking a joint and a bong and a there joint and a bong and a joint and a bong. We're almost through it, so we might as well do the whole thing. Why not? Starting at 93. This is 25 minutes later, okay? That's the last thing. Count backwards by 7. 93, 3, 90, uh, 86, 79, 72. Lift your right foot up. Okay. Hold it. For 20 seconds. Count, well, count oh, to 10. almost fell over. Okay. <laughs> How about five? <laughs> How about two seconds? Feel the toe better. 
I think bad. he's actually better. better. Actually better. It was better than, <laughs> better than before. 30 minutes later. I feel a little floaty. It's not unpleasant, but it's shadowed by the hmm. faint discomfort of not being fully whatever. It, that's kind of what police officers do. They're very staunch. They're very in control all the time. This doesn't necessarily allow you to do that. This is actually pretty comfortable, though. I mean, it's it's relaxed, and I don't feel like I have to be in control. It's, it's pretty cool. <laughs> 45 minutes no good later. reason for legalizing marijuana. As he's rolling a joint and smoking it. Takes, I mean, some of the stuff you can buy in the street now, you never know what it's cut with. So you really don't know what's going to happen to you. It just uh, you've got and yes, Wayne, the guy in the middle is the one like trying to make sure he smokes as much pot as he can while he's making this video. Just so you know, Wayne. Got a, a good quality, quality product. You know what it is, where it came from, and what it's going to do to you. Well, yeah, and it also costs, you know, sure. more to put somebody in in prison, not jail, but prison, uh, than it costs to send them to Harvard. Fifty minutes later. Am I a family? Oh, they're they're playing. I, f I forget the name of the game, but they got the headbands on with a card with what you are, you know, on the card. And, and they're, so they're playing that now, uh, 50 minutes later in the smoking pot. No. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> Unless they see your niece there. <laughs> 55 minutes later, they're eating chips and candy and trying to open food. 60 minutes <laughs> later. Say that <laughs> I'm 73 years old. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I'm 67. It's been so I... long since I made love, I can't remember who ties up whom. <laughs> 65 minutes later. I told my son on the way over here, I was I had a, a pretty good headache coming on, and I think my headache's starting to clear, clear up. I mean, it's going away. Uh, would you do it again? I don't know. Given in the right circumstances, I suppose. Yeah, I'll smoke again. Well, guy. Given the opportunity. Well, since that was your answer, can we end the video with you guys taking one more hit from the bomb? Uh, sure. It's right. from the bomb. It's a, it's a funny video to watch these guys smoking. It really is. Want more? You're in luck. We've made a how-to playlist, which you can watch by clicking here. It's... Then watch or rewatch. Hold on. I want to let them promote themselves, because they do a good job. If you like our stuff, subscribe to our channel by clicking this button. And from all of us here at Happy 420, be safe, be responsible, and toke on. So this group, Cut.com, uh, they did the grandma smoke weed for the first time. They did the cop smoke weed for the first time. They're doing a good job with the Activision... Uh, Activision? <laughs> The Activision. And I don't even have any weed, and I'm speaking weird. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, you know what? I've had a blast. I really enjoy that you guys uh, tuned in and checked me out tonight. I want to thank Jack Blood again and Radio Free Blood for picking us up. Make sure you check out what he's doing. He never, You never know when he's coming up. Follow him at Deadline Live uh, for Twitter, and just search him down. Good guy. I stand by him. Jack, I appreciate your help. Guys, it's First 52. It's been a great evening. I want to thank James Wood again, Woods again, for joining me. James from the Internet. Uh, great guy. You really did a good job, my friend. And I look forward to talking to you again. Again, First52RazRadioLive.com, RadioFreeBlood.com. You guys be safe, be caring, and remember, 
we all love each other, we're a lot better off. Peace, guys. Let's investigate the consequence of a bittersweet loss of sense, a weapon in a war against ourselves. The setting sun is loading guns, don't be afraid of mistakes, emotions misplaced, to love or to hate. I don't know what to do, we're all lost and confused, just try. Get through in this world Always trying to prove that we're worth What it takes But it takes a long time In the dirt to see grace When I'm trying to be real They tend to be fake When I'm risking it all With no time to waste Fuck this rat race I'm leaving this place Time the blast off destination space With the sunset hung behind us And the universe to blind us From the moon we'll watch the whole world explode Moving free unguided through the beautiful The silent with the light show From a passing UFO Lost in the glow of the unknown Please don't go And I don't know how I got here Or how I'm getting home But right from day one I've been in this alone With odds stacked against I've been drowning in stress They said can you take more
guys so much thanks first 52 is the bump diggity Cement the concrete's alive Where the bonds are formed, the rats run and hide Drama's like a cartoon that comes to life Where the express bus runs twice a night To the stadium that's packed every Monday night To the yellow cab driver that helped make your flight Where you can get what you want if the price is right And screaming fuck you's another way to be polite Just a few perks when you're in my zone This is where I'm at and this is where I'm calling home 